He's with us all the time, but there is something different about the presence of God when the people of God are gathered together in one place, lifting their voices in praise. There is something different about the manifest presence of God. Good morning, church. It's good to see you. Uh, I don't know what your Memorial Day plans include, but uh, let me encourage you that wherever you are tomorrow, wherever your uh, gatherings find you, that you carve out time in the day to pause, to pause and remember and, and give thanks for all of those who have given the ultimate sacrifice so that we enjoy freedom in this great land, so thank you. I'm going to talk to you about praise this morning. I'll start out by sharing this. Uh, the year was 536 A.D. Anybody around then? I was not. 536 A.D. According to Harvard historians, that was the worst year on record. Apparently, there was this catastrophic volcanic eruption in Iceland. Before it was over, ash was spewed everywhere and uh, covering the northern hemisphere of the world for 18 long months. There was a fog of darkness that shrouded uh, the land. Temperatures fell, crops failed, Starvation followed, next bubonic plague. One third to one half of the Eastern Roman Empire perished, contributing to the collapse of the once great empire. 536 AD. I'm sure the people were at their wits end. I wanna to talk to you about another moment in history. It's recorded in the scriptures. The book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 20, details the events in the middle of this passage. There's a verse, O Lord, God of our fathers, power and might are in your hand. We are powerless before this great multitude, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. People of Judah were at their wits end. According to the scriptures, the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Meunites had summoned their collective might and gathered to wage war on King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah. The king had no plan against such an attack. No plan against such a threat. He knew enough, though, to turn to the Lord, and he called the entire nation of, of Judah to seek God in fasting and prayer. 
And uh, those of you familiar with the story know how this goes. Soon came the answer to Jehoshaphat through the prophet, the battle is not yours. You need only to watch. The battle is not yours. And soon the strategy for battle emerged. And uh, I wonder if we would uh, think about this. The battle plan was put the praise team at the front and the men will lead you into battle singing. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. <laughs> I can only imagine what the people must have thought of Jehoshaphat's strategy Joseph is shaking his head. He's not buying it. If you could imagine Tim and Isaac and uh, Jonathan leading the way with guitars and, and uh, they're marching out into battle followed by Joseph and Chris and, and Melody and the praise team followed by the brass and the horn section. And it really sounds preposterous. No matter, though, what the king may have been thinking, he did as the Lord instructed. Instead of warriors leading the way, the praise team led the way, singing as they went. And this is how it concludes. Before Judah reached the battlefield, God had thrown the enemy into such confusion that they turned on one another the army of Judah never lifted a bow because God defeated her enemies. It's incredible. In the context of praise, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Before I make uh, deliver the message, there are a couple of uh, statements that I want to make for you to consider as we work through the power of praise together this morning. One is, praise is not a substitute for obedience. Praise is not a substitute for obedience. Right? Jesus said it this way, quoting the prophet Isaiah. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. They praise me in vain. Raised hands, raised hands are no substitute for hands extended in reconciliation, right? Or service. Singing songs of revival is not the same as coming before God in repentance and confession of sin. It's not the same. Nor is doxology the same as doing the right, next right thing. Praise is not a substitute for obedience, doing what God has commanded us to do. I love what John Wesley said. He said, let your words be the genuine picture of your heart. Hmm. Then, then I would say this, praise is a choice. I had a mentor once tell me, his name was Don Polston. I think maybe I've told you about Don. Don was a early, uh, he was a retired Wesleyan pastor, early influence in my life. His, 
His wife, uh, Ruth Ann, played the keyboards, and Don always said of Ruth Ann, she played more people to the altar than I ever preached. Well, Don, Don took me under his wing, and, and uh, probably one of the first people in the church that ever told me that he loved me. I'll never, never, ever forget that. But he once told me that when times are most difficult, that's the time for praise. When times are most difficult, that's the time for praise. And it seems so counterintuitive, doesn't it? It seems so counterintuitive to us, especially in our gripe and complain rant on Facebook culture, right? That, that praise is our first move. And sometimes I have to admit, you know, I'm just like you. Sometimes it is really a sacrifice to offer praise. I mean, can we just be honest? We may not feel like it. We're struggling. We're weary. We've maybe been hurt by a friend. Maybe we've been disappointed. Maybe, maybe it seems to us in the midst of whatever we're going through that God is distant and unavailable and not paying attention and doesn't really care about what's troubling us. Life blows, losses, sin is spiraling, and sometimes we just be honest. Praise is not the first order of business in our mind. When it comes to us, that praise is a choice. It's a choice that comes with power, too. No matter what's staring us straight in the face, suddenly we realize as we praise that God has already been working on our behalf and God hasn't abandoned us and all the things we know about God are true and everything that he's done for us, it's like, it's like cumulative power in our lives reminding us of what God has done and, and release of the struggles that have the power over us begin to lose their grip. And praise is not always natural and it doesn't always just flow. But I have a choice in the matter. Don't I? I, I have a choice. I can worry. I can grumble. I can complain. I can rant on social media or I can praise. It's a choice. So as we talk about uh, the power of praise this morning, just let those two thoughts pester you a little bit, that praise is no substitute for obedience and that praise is a choice. Several Hebrew words <clears throat> They come together for praise throughout the Old Testament. There are so many words. Sometimes I feel like, wow, I wish, I wish the English language had that many words for one thing, and then I realize we do. I mean, but halal, H-A-L-A-L, means to make a boast to brag on God, to be on display, a little bit like Jody did this morning, if you think about that. Used in Psalm 22, I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. I will, I will dare to look foolish, even as David looked foolish. I, I will dare to, to put my 
praise for God on display for everyone to see and, and uh, not just be stoic with my hands in my pockets. There's a story to tell about God's goodness and his faithfulness and his greatness, and I, I must tell it. I've got to tell it. It's where we get the word hallelujah, right? And then Tehillah means to sing, to make a joyful noise. I was hoping kind of Harold would be here this morning because I was going to poke a little fun at him about making a joyful noise in the shower. But to make a joyful noise. I will enter his gates. you hear the, the choice? I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. I'm, I'm reminded here that, that God uh, thinks like I do, that just because I can't sing doesn't mean I won't sing. And this is what that's about. And it doesn't necessarily mean in the presence in the church. It means, it means like when I'm walking from here to the church and nobody but God and me having a conversation and I'm lifting my voice. It means like when I, when I first became a Christian and I would stand, again, I would stand at the fryer at Arby's and I'd be shaking those fries down and I'd be watching the crowd and sweat would be pouring down and it was one of the first courses that I learned and, and I would stand there singing. You're wanting to know what the course is. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> Maybe I will. I don't know. Does, does that kind of spontaneous praise percolate in your spirit sometimes? That, that's what the scriptures have in mind, that it just can't help but come out because it's, it's there. It's residing within you. And it, and it just needs an outlet. Zamar, on instruments in rhythm with vocals. Picture the orchestra that David led. Picture the, give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings on your bass. On the praise team. Keyboards and drums all together kind of a congregational feel to it. So we're talking about praise has a posture. I will stand in the congregation. I will stand and make, I will, I will lift my voice and I will be a part of a, a larger group that is praising God. And what I find and what perhaps the Israelites found that day and all those armies gathered against them have been marching across the land coming to get them, coming to exact some sort of vengeance upon them. What we find is when we praise that it changes our perspective. Like I said, I have a choice. I can wallow in my pity. I can, I can be lazy with my mind and with where I let it go, or, or I, can be, uh, I can be directive with my mind. Paul said, think on these things. There's, there's something in the Scriptures that indicates that we have a choice of where we allow our mind to, to settle, where we, we, we have a saying in our house when conversations start going the wrong way, we, 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 we just say, elevate. 
and we make a conscious decision to change the direction of where our thoughts and where our words are going. And prayer, praise does that for us. It causes us to lift our eyes to heaven. It causes us to begin to see the world from a different perspective, a, a higher vantage point, if you would. That's why I think the author of Hebrews said, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. He goes on, he says, for you have not yet resisted to that point of shedding blood. But fix your eyes on Jesus because he not only has run the course, he is with you in the fight. And the, the writer is writing to Christians who are, who are in the thick of it, who are facing persecution, who are, who are deciding this day maybe whether we're going to go forward in faith or we're going to go turn back with the rest of the crowd where it's easier and, and to hang out with those people because it's frankly just easier. Praise lifts our eyes. I think I've, I've said this before, but our uplook often determines our outlook, right? Where, where I fix my eyes often determines my attitude. And praise does that for us. Because we, 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 we remind ourselves what true about God. The, the Israelites that day, when they went out, the praise team was leading the chorus, but it was a familiar chorus, give thanks to the Lord. Why? His love endures. How long? Give thanks to the Lord. Let's try it one more time. Give thanks to the Lord. Now say it with a smile on your face. Come on, you can do this. Right? Jody, Amy, get up. Just give thanks to the Lord. Let the words of my lips be the picture of my heart. Your heart will be lifted. You will, you will gather a sense of peace inside you like nothing you have ever known, even against the circumstances. God wants, listen to me, God wants to restore the peace that your enemy is trying to steal from you. God wants you fix your eyes on him. Not me. On him. And if you will let him, he will give you a fresh touch of his peace, his love, and his grace this morning as you fix your eyes on him and draw near him with praise.
And the reason, listen, the reason that praise changes our perspective is because it confirms our hope. Right? When, when we sing songs of praise, when we declare God's goodness, we're not just whistling in the dark. We're not making up fables trying to muster some sort of mythical courage that we are declaring what's true about God. It's not Aesop's fables. It's the truth. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. This is our hope. This is the promise of God. The psalmist said it this way, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of our Lord God. Not kings, not political systems, but the name of the Lord. And the Lord has spoken. He wants to bestow on us a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Instead of mourning, a garment of praise. Instead of a spirit of despair, oaks of righteousness. Planning of the Lord for the display of his splendor. The, the Israelites were quoting Psalm 107. A refrain, a psalm that that moved through stanzas and refrain, and the simple refrain was what we just declared, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Those who walk through the desert, parched, weary, hungry, and thirsty, God will satisfy them with good things. Why? His love endures forever. Those who are grappling in darkness and in prisons in their minds even, maybe depression, anxiety, maybe, maybe even the despair of their own choices. Death. God will deliver them. Why, church? From your sin that you are mired in. You've been a fool with your choices. God will deliver you and save you and set your feet upon a higher ground. Why? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Why? Because his love endures forever. I am I am called by God. I am chosen by God. I am saved by God. Why? Because he first loved me. His love endures forever. And Romans, the great apostle Paul said, what shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus that has delivered us from our sin? Nothing. Why? Oh, I'm going to say that with a smile, church. His love endures forever. Forever. It's why I can sit with families who are grieving the loss of loved ones. 
And I can offer them words of hope from the scriptures and I can, I can sit with Jerry and drink coffee and remind him the word of the Lord stands forever because his love endures forever. BJ, Jack, his love endures forever. Well, fear. Psalmist goes on and says, those, those bouncing a tossed at sea, fear is ruling their days. They don't know what's under that water for all they know. There's this big abyss where all of the evil spirits come out. There was thoughts of that and, the, and couldn't see land. The psalmist says God will come and still the waters. Release them from their fear. Why? Love endures forever. You see, praise confirms our hope. Confirms our hope. What we already know to be true. Finally, I would say, prayer changes the atmosphere. Do you ever watch that in a room where, where somebody starts complaining And pretty soon the whole room is complaining. That probably never happens. When you're having coffee at Bob Evans, that probably never happens. Probably never happens at your family gatherings where somebody starts saying, well, did you see? And what happens to you? It's like the life is sucked out of the room, isn't it? I've been there. I've been party to that. The scriptures say in Psalm 22 that God, he inhabits the praises of his people. You've got to watch this. You've got to get the picture of this. Because we carry Jesus with us wherever we go, right? We, we believe that by, by, by the power of the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ, God somehow inhabits us. His life invades ours, or more rightly put, he invites us into his life, and we step into the stream of his life. but we carry him with us wherever we go. And we know that, that Jesus, Jesus has promised that even to the end of the age, he will be with us. And, and the Bible promises over and over again from the earliest days of the Israelite people, do not be terrified or afraid because the Lord is with you wherever you go. He will never leave you or forsake you. So on a very personal level, I know that God is with me all the time, right? I, I know that. But, but watch this. Jesus said in the Gospels where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am 
also. So we know he's with us all the time, but there is something different about the presence of God when the people of God are gathered together in one place, lifting their voices in praise. There is something different about the manifest presence of God. Joseph, it's why we have youth camp. It, it, it's why we have children's camp. It's why we have family. It's why we meet on Sunday. Because I can tell you, I can stay at home and hear better preaching than I hear. Right? But you and I know this already. Something different happens when God's people gather and lift their voices as one in praise to God. It's like his manifest presence is thicker, is, is deeper, is, is richer. I think that is why the, the writer to the Hebrews says, don't give up the habit of meeting together because you will miss this. You will miss this. And I think... I think it's perhaps one of my new favorites, but where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I love singing that song. It reminds me that when God's people gather, when we come together and declare our faith, not just in singing, but in praise and in fellowship and testimony, when we declare our praise together, people's lives are affected and changed. We believe that, don't we, church? We're, we're holiness people. We believe, we believe that the Holy Spirit today changes lives. That just because I was a no good drunk sinner 20 years ago doesn't mean that I'm going to walk into the presence of Jesus a drunkard. It means that God through his Holy Spirit transforms me daily. And part of the mystery of that is when we gather together and God works and he molds and he shapes and he is affecting me through the praise that we offer. Do you believe that church? I mean, I, I love you. Here's my heart. I love you. But I pray to God that you're not coming to hear me. I, I pray to God that you're coming because the presence of God inhabits the praise of his people and in the mystery and the wonder of that, he is going to change your life today. I hope that's why you've come.
more than emotionalism, more than just being whipped into a frenzy, there is something real that happens here. An atmosphere not driven by the base, but supernaturally charged by the presence and the power of God. You feel it sometimes, don't you? You feel that in your heart. You're just like something's going on. Paul and Silas sat in prison, shackled and chained. Rested. Sitting there. Decided, well, we got a choice. We can lament our circumstances or we can sing praise. It was kind of like maybe one of those deal breaker moments, right? Are they going to follow God or not? And they choose praise. An earthquake shook the place. You know the story. Acts 16. Chains fell off. They were set free and the jailer panicked and pretty soon he came and his entire family came to know Jesus through the testimony, through the praise of Paul and Silas. I long for the atmosphere to be changed. I thirst for that. Hungry for that. So I would say, if you're facing difficulty of any kind, any size, let me encourage you to assume a posture of praise. Psalm 1, the psalmist, I love this, the psalmist said, psalmist said, stand tall. You will stand tall. Throw your chest back. You are a child of the king. Throw your shoulders back. You are a child of the king. Stand tall tall. Stand tall. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. And you, you will see God's sufficiency against your enemies. Restoring peace emptying dungeons, causing your enemies to flee, just like in 2 Chronicles recorded. Can you imagine? I'm telling you, all we did was sing. Boy, it must have been bad. I'm telling you, generations are still telling this story. It happened. And, and I'm telling you, as we tell this story, this story is our story. That's why it's preserved here, so that you would tell the story, and in telling the story, it would become your story, that you would say with gusto, with all the belief within your heart, I'm telling you, all I did was lift my voice in praise, and the enemies scattered. 
I'm telling you, all I did was sing, I sing praises to your name, oh Lord. And I was set free. All I did was raise my hand as a picture of my heart. And salvation was mine. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it happened just that way. That's why this story is here. You're thinking, Pastor, would you be quiet and just let us sing? Aren't you? That's what we're going to do. We're going to sing. We're going to sing a song that perhaps for some of you may be impossible for you to imagine it as well. Because you're troubled. Yeah. Yeah, when the Spirit of the Lord is in my heart, I will sing like David sang, and I will dance like David danced. Well, we're going to sing. Worship team's going to come and lead us. <clears throat> and this, this is... Listen. You will be tempted because I've heard them rehearse. You will be tempted to become a spectator and just listen and watch. But I'm not going to let you do that. We're going to sing, and I want you on your feet, like now. And as God inhabits the praise of his people, just respond. You you may need to know the reality of this, this song so deeply in your life right now that you can't wait to get here to the waiting room of faith and get up here and just say, yeah. You may you may just be moved. Raise your hands. Maybe both hands. Maybe you'll just be moved to hold out your hands and say, God, I, I need some of that. It is well right now. I, I don't know. I don't know. But oftentimes, uh, 
people say to me, I, I can't believe how transparent you are. I'm just going to be transparent. This message is birthed out of several weeks of my life, maybe months of my life, where I'm thinking it is just another no good, terrible, very bad day. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Think I'll go eat worms. Place in my life where I've watched some people that are really close to me broken and just. And it's affected me. I just get tired of it. And one day I said, enough is enough. God, if, if it is true that you inhabit the praise of your people, if it is true, God, that praise can change my perspective, if it is true that my praise can make my enemies flee, then here it is, God. I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. Here it is, God. There is no God like you. Here it is, God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Here it is, God. Receive my praise. Change my heart. Here it is, God. Here it is. Change my heart. May that be your song today. Here it is, God. Make my enemies flee. May that be your song today. Here it is, God. Save my soul. Whatever it is, as we sing, you, you just offer your praise and watch as God inhabits the praise and moves God.